Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. A short poem for you on rest. Twas way past midnight when all through the house not a creature was stirring except the dog. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, but the echoes of fireworks rung aloud in our heads. Thus the poem ends. Rest. Sometimes it's difficult to come by. Have you ever noticed how much work it takes to get some rest? Long-haul drivers will go to rest stops for a while. Rowdy children get some rest time. The worked up are told, give it a rest. Have you ever noticed the hopes and promises often coupled with rest? Rest assured, I'll take care of you. Rest easy, it's as good as done. Or maybe a kind, I hope you have a good night's rest. But have you ever noticed how little rest there actually is in the world? Unrest in violent countries and neighborhoods. Restitution demanded after all kinds of litigations. Restoration needed to reconcile people and places in conflict. I'm sure you've noticed If you've had your eyes open and ears listening, you can't help but witness these realities. But they aren't some kind of new reality brought out by the virus or the recent racial tensions. No, the problem of restlessness is about as old as the creation itself. When the world was made, God designed it to revolve around a special day set apart for holy reflection, a special kind of rest. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. For all that we take notice about rest in our lives, what we often neglect is the holy day God set apart for rest. The kind of rest which worships God and takes delight in the people and places within his creation. This neglect for the holy day of rest was brought on by none other than the fall. The fall into sin by Adam. But it's also happily sustained by us, the many generations following Adam. We take the rest God set apart for us and effectively ignore it. We mock it with all kinds of worry and busybodiness, such that we don't love our neighbor as we ought to, and we use the earth to glorify our consumable lusts. Think about it. How many pills do you need to buy to be at rest about yourself, your weight, your situation in life? How often do political hacks cause unrest when they tell you how to think, what you should believe, or who you are? 
How can anyone really be at rest when it's just easier to not care at all? Because everyone seems to care way too much about everything all the time. Rest is commercialized, politicized, even neglected altogether. Worse, rest is rarely held sacred. And that's our concern today. The sacred, holy, special kind of rest that God gave to his creation to you. His workers in the world weighed down and the restless souls. His little children. Jesus believes rest is sacred. He tells us as much in our gospel lesson. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. In Jesus is the seventh day of creation. He fills the day of rest. Jesus is at the very center of our rest and what rest really means. The world seeks self-help, but that's incomparable idolatry to God's help from his word. The world seeks self to self-medicate, but God's medicine for the soul is found in the holy supper of his body and his blood for the forgiveness of sins. When the world puts all hope in the political, all hope in the hands of the so-called wise and understanding, that is the moment that God rises up the small, the insignificant, the little children. He sends forth Davids to his children to make fools of Goliaths. This is the way of our Lord. The way of Jesus is a yoke unlike the world's offerings. We experience the lawlessness, lawlessness of sin as an expected burden of life. But Jesus delivers a different yoke, a law of love that is not only light upon our burdened bodies, but a light to the darkness of our sin. Sadly, Jesus and his yoke of love for sinners is unfashionable. To the wise who think they understand God's law apart from Jesus, they are blind guides such as the Pharisees were. And the world is full of blind gods, blind uh, guides. Freudian slip there, blind gods. <laughs> the world is full of people like this. They're kind and unpleasant characters alike who have no need for Jesus but they want you to go along with what they know. But what they know is only what they see. You have what is hidden from them, as our text says. You have a faith that rests in the sacrifice of God for sinners, the resurrection of Christ, the rest for your soul when he returns on judgment day. Jesus, faith in Jesus is a conviction of things not seen, of hidden things, of things we trust that are true, such as crucifixion, his crucifixion, resurrection, and especially the return of Jesus, as this will be an entirely new thing altogether that no one has ever witnessed before. Only through faith can someone foresee what is hidden or because of unbelief be blind to what will come. Only through faith can someone foresee what is hidden, 
or because of unbelief be blind to what will come. However, there is something more in our text for those who fear the wisdom and understanding that leads to hell. What is also important to point out from our text is that when Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, he does mean all. In a fascinating revelation, we learn the wise and understanding are not excluded from Christ's desire to save all people. All, even the wise and understanding, do labor and are definitely heavy laden. So they also have need for God's rest. Sinners of all stripes need the rest Christ freely gives. Now, on the contrary, you've heard the saying, there's no rest for the wicked. I tell you, this applies to you and I alike. There's no rest because wickedness follows us all to our grave. But for the unrepentant, their restlessness is a haunting in life and death. No peace with God in life means they cannot rest in peace in death. And to remedy then this awful condition of sin, Jesus says these marvelous words, Take my own. It is as though he has said, here, take it, it's yours. This is what's so fascinating about our Lord. He doesn't harbor his grace, but is like a rich man to a robber. Here, take it, it's yours. Everything I have is yours. Like wicked and undeserving thieves, we roam this earth as lawless sinners in the darkness of our own understanding. But for us, the Father sent Jesus, the Son of reconciliation, that we would learn from him and of his gentle and lowly heart, and that from repentance and faith, we would find rest for our souls, rest in Jesus. If you are familiar, Jesus, as you know, was crucified between two robbers. One which repented and believed, and another who did not repent nor believe. But to the one who repented, who saw the riches of grace that Jesus possessed, even as he hung upon that cross, to that robber did Jesus promise paradise, forgiveness of sins, and eternal salvation in heaven. Now, you are not likely to face the same yoke of that robber in, in this life to bear a, a literal cross for your sins. But that man is a prime illustration that no matter what sin you do bear, there is for you an easy yoke in the love of Jesus where his only burden is to love others as he first loved you, having gave up his life, that yours would have rest. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.